This morning we are continuing our series, Masterpiece in Progress. That is all of you. Just God's little masterpieces all in progress. Uh, we've been doing something that we um, have never done before here at Grace Chapel. We're studying one verse the entire summer. Taking the entire summer to look at one verse of Scripture. And that verse is Philippians chapter 4. Verse 8, it says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Before we move on to the heart of our talk this morning, um, I want to reflect on a change that is happening here. It's an interesting change. As we look at Paul's exhortation to think about whatever is excellent, to think about excellence, something interesting happens. There's a shift in his wording. There's a shift in how he asks us to think about excellence. And you're thinking to yourself right now, what is that shift? Because you read it this week too, and you were just, you came to church just all worked up about, you know, why did he have this shift? And most of you are thinking, what are you talking about? This is what jazzes pastors up, all right? Especially if you're looking at one verse, and you see something different happening in the verse, you get all excited, and since we're only studying one verse this entire summer, we're going to ask the question, why is there a shift in his wording? This is very, very important, because there's a shift here. He goes from a list of whatever is statements, right? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. He goes, and then it turns into, if anything... If anything, whatever is to if anything, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So there's a shift here. It's a way for Paul to challenge his readers, and that's us, to challenge his readers to use their, their, their wisdom and their discernment and to choose to meditate on and to reflect on that which is excellent or praiseworthy. He wants us to think even deeper. He wants us to go even further. He wants it to be even broader. He wants to leave nothing. Okay? We know what people will sometimes do. They'll read through, well, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right. And people, human beings, try to find a loophole sometimes in what God is saying. Well, the way Paul phrases this, if anything is excellent, think about such things, there is no loophole. There is no loophole. So let's look at what it means to be excellent. The word that is translated excellent in this verse, honestly, is all-encompassing. It's all, it, like I said, it leaves nothing to, nothing to the imagination. It's all-encompassing. It's, all it's purposefully general. He does this on purpose, and it can be applied to a wide range of thoughts. Again, he wants you to use your wisdom and your discernment to think about what is excellent, to focus your minds on what is excellent, because our minds are not always focused on what is excellent. 
In other places in the Bible, the word is used to reflect moral excellence, goodness, God's power, redemptive acts. This is so important. So when we apply this to our own minds, what we're trying to do is to avoid thinking that is undisciplined, that is questionable, that is mediocre. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, I don't want you to have mediocre thoughts. I don't want you to have questionable thoughts. I don't want you to have undisciplined thoughts. I want you to have excellent thoughts. Continue to have excellent thoughts. Paul is saying to think about only those things that are excellent. Think about those things that are best, by God's definition of best. As I was processing through this verse and I was studying it, because it's purposefully general, because it's all-encompassing, it may be difficult for you to kind of grasp you're swiping at the air. I don't want that to happen. So I'll try to define it as best I can based upon what I've studied. The best way to define excellent thinking is thinking that would honor Jesus Christ. What kind of thinking would honor Jesus Christ? And even make it more simple, how would Jesus think? What would Jesus think? That's the goal. Excellent thinking. Jesus was perfection. So how would Jesus think? Well, I don't know how Jesus would think. Sure you do. Sure you do. He's God. He wrote the Bible. You know what he thinks. What would honor him? What would glorify him? What would praise him in your thinking? Because that's what we exist to do. We exist to glorify God. We exist to praise God in every area of our lives. We are a living sacrifice holding and pleasing to God. So our thoughts are to exist to please God. So what would Jesus think? What would be honoring and glorifying to God? That's what we should be thinking. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, it says this, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. Okay, think about this. this is, these are thoughts, too. We demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. We take captive every thought. He wants, he says, think about what is excellent. If anything goes away from excellent, take it captive, make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Think about what is excellent. Colossians 3, 2, it reminds us, set your heart, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your minds on things above. Think about the eternal, not the temporal. Focus on the eternal. Focus on things that are most significant. And when we all have to think about, about the temporal, if you will. But we don't let the temporal consume us. Why? Because when you think about the eternal, when your mind is focused on the eternal, on what is excellent and praiseworthy, when your mind is focused on the eternal, even your temporal thoughts, okay, are taken captive. They become submissive to eternal thoughts. One has precedence over the other. One has power over the other. See, it's the reason, so, that one of the reasons that we sit around and have so much worry and anxiety and stress and all this stuff in our lives 
One of the reasons that happens in our lives, we become overwhelmed with these things because our temporal thoughts dominate our eternal thoughts. It needs to be switched. Paul is saying, no, no, you need to switch that around. Whatever is excellent, think about such things. And if you do that, your life will be changed. Your life will be transformed. Paul understands what is said in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a person thinks in their heart, so are they. Another way to put it is, as your, as you, as your mind goes, so goes the person. Your mind leads you. Your mind, your mind is what leads you into different areas. Your mind is what leads you into trouble. Your mind is what leads you into praise. Your mind is what leads you. So it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We need to be thinking excellent thoughts. If my mind is constantly thinking excellent thoughts, which direction is my life going to go? Am I going to be consumed with anxiety and worry and stress and fear and all these kinds of things? Is that what's going to consume my life? It can't. It can't. The reason your stomach gets sick is because of your mind. Your stomach's not getting sick and then your mind's telling you, oh, your stomach's sick. If when it comes to anxiety and worry and fear and all that, it starts here. It starts here and it affects the rest of your body. We need to have excellent, our minds need to think excellent thoughts. You know, people in our culture, but I'm including believers in this, seem to spend so much of their time thinking inferior thoughts. We, we consume, we spend so much of our time thinking about things that don't, that don't honor God, that don't really positively affect our lives, that have no real purpose. We just think these inferior thoughts. We seem to be, we seem to be satisfied with mental mediocrity. Our thoughts, honestly, let's just be honest, our thoughts are lazy. We're lazy in how we think our thoughts. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to have lazy thoughts. I want you to think about whatever is excellent and praiseworthy. I don't want you to have mediocre thoughts. Mediocrity in a Christian life is unacceptable. You need to have excellent thoughts. You need to have the best thoughts. Mediocrity in your thinking cannot dominate your life. We settle for thoughts that fall so short of God, God's expectations, God, what God desires or what God considers excellent. We allow our thoughts to fall so short in Romans, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test. Let me stop right there for a second. People ask me sometimes, a lot, they'll say, I, well, I don't understand God's purpose and God's plan and God's will for my life. I don't understand why God, and I don't understand what is God, what does God expect of me here, and what is God's will here, and what is God, and we ask those questions, but let's read this again. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That's where our thinking is, the pattern of this world. What we hear from the outside, what we're getting. You know why sometimes you're so overwhelmed? You're reading, and I'm not going to, I have Facebook, we, you know, Instagram, whatever else, but here's the deal. If, if, if that's what's permeating your mind, that's what's constantly going into your mind, all the negative, all the stress, all the 
the, the, the bickering and fighting and people putting things up there, you're just like, I didn't even know that person thought that way. Turn it off. Turn it off. All the, if, if the news is stressing you out to the point where it's constantly, be, if, whatever it is, music or news or, or, or social media, whatever it is, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What's happening is your mind's being filled with so much and you're so overwhelmed. But the Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get rid of that. Renew your mind. Then what? Then, I don't understand God's will. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need to think excellent thoughts. If anything is excellent, think about such things. Why do you, see, why do you, why do you think your life goes off sometimes? Why do you think you feel the way you feel? Because we're not thinking excellent thoughts. We're allowing, I'm not just saying watching the wrong thing. I'm talking about constant pounding of this world's thoughts and ideas into our minds and it becomes overwhelming do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world you will walk as your mind takes you you'll walk in the direction your mind is taking you and that cannot happen and renewing of your mind is an ongoing process it's ongoing it takes discipline it takes thoughtful consideration we need to consider these things in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says something really interesting. It says, gird the loins of your mind. Gird the loins of your mind. What, what that basically means is it, it's saying get rid of all the junk. Get rid of all the earthly thoughts from your mind so that you can think and walk as Jesus did. Bible's very clear. Whoever claims to be in him must walk as Jesus did. How are you supposed to walk as Jesus did if your mind's filled with all this junk and all this, these worldly ideas? What this verse is saying, it says, gird up, your, gird up your loins, gird up the loins of your mind. Get rid of all these other things. Fill your mind with thoughts, excellent thoughts, praiseworthy thoughts, so that you can think and you can walk as Jesus did. That will change your life. One, of the, one way we can accomplish Paul's challenge here is to have daily think sessions. Now you're thinking to yourself, man, you've got to be kidding me. I don't have time for daily think sessions. Oh, yeah, you really do. You have them every single day. Usually, it's when you're done brushing your teeth and you lay in bed, your think sessions start. You know what your think sessions do? They get, they stress you out. They fill you with anxiety. Well, what's coming tomorrow? The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own, right? God knows, you, God knows tomorrow. He's got tomorrow. But we lay there, and sometimes we wake up at night and have think sessions. And let's see, what are our think sessions all about? Well, things that cause us, like I said, to be anxious, things that stress us out, things that make us overwhelmed, things that make our stomach sick, um, things that make us worry, things that make us fear, things that make us feel overwhelmed, things that give us like such stress that we have like, we feel like we're having a nervous breakdown. There's good, there are the think sessions, right? Those are the think sessions. What I'm saying is we have to have a think session every day. So Paul is saying to us, okay, 
Put all that other junk out of your mind. Give it over to the Lord. One of the things that you can do before you go to sleep, and this is going to sound like, I don't want to think about that before I go to sleep. Hear me out. It's almost impossible not to think some things sometimes that you have to, that are on your schedule. What you want to do is you want to pull out all those things that might keep you awake and make you feel anxious and overwhelmed. You want to pull them out and you want to pray about each one of them. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. Through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So whenever you're feeling it, that's where your think session is. What you want to do is grab them, you want to present them through prayer and petition to God, okay? Give them over to the Lord, and then say, God, I can't do anything about this right now. There's nothing I can do while I'm laying here in bed. I'm going to pray about these things, Lord. I want you to please help me with this. Please help me overcome that. Please help me deal with this. Please help me whatever, and walk, and then free yourself from those things. But Paul's saying more than that. Then he's saying, think about whatever is excellent. Anything that is excellent, praiseworthy. Praise God for things. Think about the things that, that are encouraging and uplifting and God-honoring. That's what Paul's calling us to do. Spend some time thinking about Scripture that renews your mind and what the truth and what and God's truth in your life about what, how he feels about you, his love for you, his plan for your life, his purpose for your life. Think about those things, how he wants you to live each and every day. Think about those things. Things that are excellent. You know, here's the reality. I was thinking about this the other, actually yesterday. I was kind of going through and, and living this out in my own life. And, and I said, I asked myself, who, who are you, really? I mean, who are you? Are you who everyone else says you are? Are you who you think you are? Who are you? And I, again, I go back to God's word. I, you know who I am? I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm a person that belongs to God. I've been adopted. He so loved me that he adopted me into his family. I am so loved by God that he sent Jesus Christ. If I was the only person on the earth, he would have sent Jesus Christ to die for me. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That's who I am. The only way you're going to overcome the lies that have been woven into the fabric of your life, the only way to truly overcome that is to sit down in a think session with Jesus and ask Jesus who you are. Quietly, prayerfully, ask Jesus Christ who you are. Listen to me, and I mean this with all my heart. Your feelings, your feelings are not the determining factor, okay, of what you should think about yourself. Not even your feelings. What determines who, what, what determines what you should be thinking about yourself is God's word, God's truth. Not even your feelings should determine what you think about yourself. It should be God's truth. Your value, your purpose, the meaning of your life, your identity is not found in how you feel or how someone else feels about you. It's found in God's truth and what God says about you. I'll give you an example. You know, sometimes um, I feel like uh, I, I can take on the I'm, the, I'm the most wonderful person who ever lived. When I get up here and I say something that really encourages someone or really impacts someone, they, they write me a note or something. They send me an email. You are the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know what I mean? If there wasn't sliced bread, you would be sliced bread. Everyone, you're just amazing and thank God for you. There's Jesus, and then there's Jeff. 
right? Until I say something that someone doesn't like. And then it's like, you are Attila the Hun. You are the Massatung. You, I don't know why. Why did your mother even have you? I don't know, understand why you exist. You know what I mean? My identity, my purpose, my, who I am as a person isn't dictated by how I feel about myself or how others feel about me. It's, it's, it's what God's word says about me, who I am in Christ. That's where I get my purpose. That's where I get my value. That's where I get my identity. It comes from Christ. For so many of us, honestly, our thinking is leading us away from God. It's leading us away from Him. Yet we, we, get, we get this, we get our thought process is so, is so messed up. Our thought process is so convoluted sometimes. I remember Ravi Zacharias saying that we, we are lazy thinkers. As human beings, we are, we are lazy thinkers. Instead of having the courage to think through our opinions and think through our worldview, and he's talking to human beings, instead we take the soft pillow approach. When something seems to be too challenging or overwhelming intellectually or uh, spiritually, we go to sleep. We intellectually go to sleep. We don't think about excellent things. We don't actually dig in and understand why we believe what we believe. And it's the reason why we as a culture, we talk about what we need to do is just sit down and talk to each other. We need to just be able to communicate and share our ideas. You know why we can't do that anymore? You know why when you sit down with someone, they, they, as soon as you as soon as you question what they're saying or you just ask, well, what do you think about this? I know you're saying this, but have you thought about that? You know why they get so angry? You know why they sometimes get so violent and aggressive? Because they can't defend their position because they've actually never truly intellectually thought through their position. And the moment someone comes up, you know, it's, it's the Bible, we talk about this at church all the time. It's like, it's like preaching to the choir. Like preaching to the choir. People sit around and talk to people who tell them that they want to hear. If you think one thing, you listen to CNN. If you think another thing or feel another way, you listen to Fox News. If you think another way, you listen to NBC or whatever the case may be. Because you know who's going to say what you want to hear. And Ravi Zacharias says that's just lazy thinking. That's like the soft pillow approach. We can't behave that way. I shared this a few weeks ago, but I think it's worth sharing again. In this culture, they listen with their eyes and they think with their feelings. And if you're younger, I want you to, I want you to truly grasp what I'm saying here. You listen with your eyes and you think, you think with your feelings. We... We have lost the ability as a culture to discern between what is true and what is false. We have lost the ability as a culture to discern what is right and what is wrong. We've lost that ability. We become, as Christians sometimes, we become intellectual and spiritual cowards because we're getting swept up in this culture. And it, it absolutely amazes me. We won't tell people the truth because we're afraid. If, if we think that what we're going to say to them is going to hurt their feelings, we won't tell people the truth. Even if their eternal destiny is on the line, we won't tell them the truth. Why? Because we think with our feelings. 
Not with truth, not what's true. Not what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. But we think with our feelings. So if we think it's going to hurt someone's feelings, we won't tell them the truth. And we define love and we define kindness as telling people what they want to hear instead of telling them what they need to hear. I want, to ex- just, I want you to think about this for a second. You're a parent. This is how we think now culturally. I want you to live this out with your children. This is how I want you to parent. I want you to think with your feelings. And, it, and I, you, don't you say anything to your child that may make them feel bad. No, think, go, go with me on this. Because this is what I'm talking about, the, 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 the soft pillow approach. You know, you, well, you can't do that. And here's what kindness means. And here's what love means. And here's how you should share something with someone. Here's what you do. And then you start thinking about it. Okay, so if I'm a parent and I live, I start living that out in my parenting, you know what that means? It means you're an unloving and ungodly parent if you behave that way with your children because you're leading them to a place that they will never recover from. Think about, think about only telling your child what they want to hear. Think about only telling your child what will make them feel good. Their, their future as a human being is on the line. It isn't loving and it isn't kind to tell people things that are not true and only makes them feel better. This phrase, if anything is excellent, calls us to constantly, Paul is calling us to constantly move forward toward Christ-like thinking. He's saying you can't stand still. You gotta constantly be moving forward toward Christ-like thinking. He calls us to put our best thoughts to put our best ideas forward. And and the reason he's doing this is because as you reflect on the word of God, as you study the word of God, you come to realize that God's people have always seemed to struggle with mediocre thinking. They've always seemed to struggle with mediocre thinking. And when they struggle with mediocre thinking, it leads to mediocre serving. And when you struggle with mediocre serving, it leads to mediocre living. In Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, it says this, A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is you, priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how how have we defiled you? by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame and diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? And you say, well, okay, how does that apply to me? It applies to me, Jeff Greer, very well. And it applies to you as well. We need to ask ourselves, are we giving our best to God? Because when you have mediocre thinking, you have mediocre service. When you have mediocre service, you have mediocre lives. And so I'm asking you, are you, give, are you giving your best to God? Are you giving God your best worship? Are you giving God your best tithes and offerings? Are you giving God your best service? Are you giving God your best time and your talents? Are you giving him your best? Or are you offering up a lame and diseased thought process? Because if you, say, if you say no to what I just described, 
then I can guarantee you that you're not giving him your best thoughts. You're not giving him your best thinking. You're not giving him excellence. And that's what he's asking for. Whatever is excellent, think about such things. What did we say from the very beginning? Why is one of the biggest reasons Paul is saying, think about such things. If anything is, whatever is, think about it, think about it. Why? Because our thoughts lead to our actions. And if our thoughts are mediocre, then our service to God will be mediocre. Our worship to God will be mediocre. Our lives will be mediocre, and that is unacceptable to God. We don't sacrifice animals anymore. We don't offer up grain offerings anymore. You're looking at your sacrifice in the mirror every day when you get up. You're a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Paul is saying, let your mind be filled with only the best thoughts. Why? Because that is how we worship God. That is how we honor God. That is how we praise God. That is how we glorify God with our lives. Anything that is morally and spiritually excellent and causes us to praise God is fertile ground for our minds to graze. Fertile ground for our minds to graze. I talked with Christian. Um, the first time I talked to Christian, Christian is the uh, person who owns the farm where we're going. We're going to go fishing today. Okay, so you'll get to meet her and meet her husband. So the first time I talked to her, she was showing me around the farm. And one, the first thing she did was she took me to where the cows stay. And so they had their little paddock thing there. And I walked up to it. And the first thing she asked me when I walked up, she said, smell, deep, deep breath. I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to do that because it's, it's going to stink, right? You know, cows. Whoever, anybody ever worked on a farm? Anybody ever been on a vacation and driven past the cow farm? Right? Your kids are like, what is that? Oh, my goodness, John, why are you doing You know what I'm saying? That, right? So she, she says, take a deep breath. Sniff. Smell. So I smell. I didn't smell anything. Honestly, I was standing there. Where they were walking through black dirt, and they didn't, they didn't stink. I said, why? I don't get it. She said, it's because of what they eat. And I think, why is that so important, what they eat? Because what a, cow, what a cow grazes on determines the quality of the meat. What it's grazing on. She said, we don't feed them corn. We don't give them antibiotics. We don't do all this thing. They go out and they live as nature intended them to live. That's why they don't smell like other cows, because it depends on what they eat. And because the quality of the meat, because the quality of the meat is supremely important, they give careful attention to what goes into their cows. I want you to think about this for a second. If we're being honest, I think we would have to say that we are eating from sewer-fed beef. Honestly. I think a lot of us would have to say we are, we are, we are, we are feeding from sewer, eating from sewer-fed beef. In the same way, we are allowing, we are allowing our minds to graze in a rumpy landfill. We just let it. Whatever is excellent, think about such things. All-encompassing. Not, not just, not, not now broad. Think about anything that is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. We are allowing our minds to 
to graze in a rumpy landfill. And that's why I think what we have so much of the time is stinking thinking. We have stinking thinking. The only foundation that we have, I want, and I want, if you're younger, I want you to really think about this. This is so important that you get this right. And don't have the soft pillow approach. Don't go to sleep on me when it comes to thinking this through. If the only foundation for, the, for your thoughts or your feelings, that is not only lazy, it is extremely dangerous, and it boggles the mind. But that's the culture in which we live. We cannot get caught up in a culture that thinks with its feelings. If the foundation of your thinking is only your feelings, that is lazy and it is, it is more than just lazy. It's dangerous. Romans, again, says to offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. That's what it says. Put an Old Testament, I'm going to put in the Old Testament in a, in a way that we understand. Our lives, our thoughts are an aroma, a sacrifice, displeasing to God. You read the Old Testament and it was an aroma pleasing to God. You've got to ask yourself, is my, are my thoughts, is my life an aroma, a service, a sacrifice, displeasing to God? Our Our thoughts stink. This morning, we have an opportunity to change that. While we take communion, we're going to take communion. While we take communion, we need to confess our sin and we need to get right with God. We need to admit that our thoughts are not in alignment with God's word. Don't feel terrible about it. Just confess it, okay? Get right with him. Confess your sin and then move on. Admit that your thoughts are not in alignment with God's word. Let's renew our minds. Let's renew our hearts that we can become the men and women that God has created us to be. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. I'm going to read first before we take communion, and then I'm going to pray for the bread, and I'm going to pray for the cup. After I'm done praying, you can get up. You don't have to wait for anybody else. And you can take communion. You can come back to your seat. Let's spread out. Try to keep a little social distancing as we have a line here. There's another table outside. You can go outside in the foyer and grab some out there as well. So I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. We're going to get up. We're going to take communion. And what I want you to do is I want you to go before the Lord. And I want you to confess the, the sin in your life, in my life, that we have not been thinking excellent thoughts that we have been thinking thoughts that are leading us away from God, that we have stinking thinking, that when we take the time, we take the time to have a, to have a, a thought session, that our thought sessions are consumed with worldly things that are causing us to be stressed and anxious and fearful and overwhelmed. Let's confess all those things and then let's try to change through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in each one of us. Let's try to change. It may not be overnight, but we can keep moving in the right direction. As the mind goes, so goes the person. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11, 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, I, I confess, Lord God, that this is really difficult for all of us. To discipline ourselves to think only excellent thoughts. But how would it transform our lives, God, if we did that? We know that we're incapable in and of ourselves to do that, but because of what you did, sending your son Jesus Christ to die on a cross, we have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in us. And we're so thankful for that. We're thankful for his body, which was given for us on the cross, so that we could have a personal relationship with you so that we can be called joint heirs of Jesus Christ, so we can be called a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, so that we could know in our hearts that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We're thankful, Lord, for that, and we're thankful for the cup that symbolizes the blood that was shed for us. And that blood covers us from our sin, so that we don't think excellent thoughts. All we need to do is enter into your presence and ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name, and you will forgive us, and you will brush us off, and you will pick us up, and you will send us back on our way. God, thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that covers us from all of our sin and leaves us in right standing with you. And we just pray that you give us the strength that comes from your Son to accomplish what you have called us to do. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory for we know you're going to do in advance because we trust you and we have faith in your power, not our own. So we thank you for the bread. We thank you for the blood of Christ. And we ask that those would be remembered by each of us, Lord God, as we try each and every day to strive to be more like you, to think like more, more like you, and to walk more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.